Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. As I was praying about what to speak about today, the Holy Spirit would not let it go that He wanted me to talk about the topic of pride. But this is such an important topic, and it's really everything to God. So we're going to dig into the Word today, and we're going to talk about King Nebuchadnezzar and his downfall. Also sharing my own testimony of how God has set me free from my own past of pridefulness. The story of King Nebuchadnezzar is the one story that God always brings me back to, to teach me about pride. This story is such a powerful example of not only the consequences of pride, but also how God redeems a repentant, humble heart. So we're going to do kind of like a Bible study format. I'm going to go into detail of the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. So feel free to grab your Bible to study and read along. We're going to start out reading in Daniel 4.19, where the king just finished telling Daniel this crazy, upsetting dream he had about a tree. He had a very alarming dream. It was very upsetting for him. He couldn't sleep. And so he called in all his magicians, his enchanters, and his astrologers to see if they could interpret this dream. But nobody could interpret the dream for him. So Daniel ended up coming into the presence of the king and interpreting the dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. The king told Daniel his dream, and he was very perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Daniel, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. So Daniel answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw in your dream, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field. While its roots remain in the ground, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. Then Daniel continues to break down and interpret this so the king could understand. So he says, O king, this is the decree that the Most High God has issued against my Lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone He wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. 
renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. See, God was giving King Nebuchadnezzar, even though he was living full of pride, he didn't acknowledge God. He thought that his kingdom and everything that he possessed was because of his own greatness, you know. But God was giving him another chance to repent and humble himself and make things right before this dream would even come to pass and before he would reap the consequences of his pride. But it goes on to say in Daniel 4.28, all the things that Daniel told the king would happen, happened to the king. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon, he said, and this is, I'm telling you, this is how far pride will get you. You're so deceived in thinking you're invincible. And that is a very scary place to be. So he was walking on his rooftop and he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, everything that God told Daniel would happen, everything that was said about King Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. He went from a high, exalted, and respected king to living like an animal in the wild. And King Nebuchadnezzar says this. He says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. And he knows firsthand, right? All those who walk in pride he is able to humble. You see, friends, God gives us many chances. He tries to correct us and speak to our heart before we have a great fall. Pride comes before the fall and that he will quickly humble a prideful person 
but he redeems those that humble themselves and repent. Pride comes at a high price. Don't pay it. Instead, choose to stand on the offer of grace because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is happy to do what pride will not. The humble heart is quick to acknowledge the need for God and eager to confess sin, willing to kneel before heaven's mighty hand. So we need to uproot pride before God uproots us. You know, God is against all sin in general, but he really hates pride. You know, as I read throughout the Bible, when he talks about sin, there is no other sin other than pride where he describes that he hates it, you know, opposes it, turns his back on, destroys, resists, wants nothing to do with. He hates the sin of pride so much that he will literally turn his back on us if we are consumed with pride. I mean, that's a scary thought when you think about it, that God is actually turning himself away from me, right? He's actually like walking the other way. That's how much he detests pride. I mean, think about it, friends. It's the reason that the devil was kicked out of heaven, solely because of pride. He was greatly esteemed and high up in the angelic heavenly hosts. He was given a position of great power and influence. He was favored by God. He was a model of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. But out of pride, he thought that he could take the place of God. And he got kicked out of heaven because of it. In King Nebuchadnezzar's case, you know, God brought a prophet, brought Daniel. He literally spoke the words of God to him and told him exactly, you know, in great detail what would happen to him if he did not acknowledge God and repent. But because he had a prideful and a hard heart, he would not listen to God. And so everything that God said would happen to him happened to him. And then when he hit rock bottom and lost everything, he was humble during that time. And he recognized who God was and he got his heart right and repented. And then what did God do? Did God ignore him and say, it's too late. You had too much pride. I warned you. Now you're going to be an animal and live in the wild forever. No, instead, he had mercy and grace on his life, and he restored him and his kingdom and his authority, and the Bible says that everything was greater than it ever was before. So he actually gave him more favor than he ever gave him in the past because he got his heart right. You know, friends, God is all about our heart. You know, this instance happened back in the Bible days with King Nebuchadnezzar, but this also happens very much so today. When we find out that our favorite leader has been exposed of their sin and has lost everything. God has exposed them, but it's not because he didn't warn them first. He always tries to get our attention first before he really exposes us. He doesn't want to expose us. He doesn't want us to lose everything. You know, he doesn't want Christianity to have a bad rep. He doesn't want his name to be tarnished. He doesn't want your name to be tarnished, right? I guarantee you that these people that you follow and look up to, and then you get surprised when they fall into sin because God was forced to expose them. But I guarantee you, God had tried to warn them and try to get them from compromising and to turn from their sin and to get their hearts right But being trapped in a lifestyle of sin, they enjoyed their lifestyle, you know, full of fame, money, power, temptations, accolades, and being surrounded by too many yes-men, 
too many people that wanted to advance themselves for their own selfish motive. And so they were not speaking truth to those leaders, you know, no accountability. And they were also not listening to God when God was trying to get them to repent, right? And what we end up seeing is the end result, right? But I guarantee you that they had a heart that was hardened and full of pride before they fell into a lifestyle of sin. Pride always comes before a fall. And friends, let me tell you that this message is not coming from a a judgmental or a self-righteous heart at all. In fact, the reason why I'm even sharing this and I can speak these truths is because I once was very prideful myself. And I went through the humbling and the restoration process as well. When it comes to pride, I can really relate. You know, I was raised in a very strong, you know, you got this perfectionist type of environment, right? Where it was about works. It wasn't about grace. It wasn't about, you know, a healthy fear of God. And so I actually struggled with pride most of my life. I was a so-called good Christian girl living a very moral life and everything, but I was walking in pride. Pride is the root of the issue, but there's a lot of branches and manifestations that is very revealing that a person is dealing with pride. One of them is not being able to admit you're wrong. If someone confronts you in love and you get on the defensive and you start justifying yourself, you know, and you're not being teachable, because a humble person will stop, listen, and evaluate themselves and be teachable in that moment apologize for whatever they did to offend the person, and try to do better. Always wanting to grow. I'm not talking about a person that has like a negative spirit and they're always critical and they're always condemning you and making you feel like you're not worthy, right? I'm talking about being able to admit your flaws, you know, your weaknesses, and admit you're wrong when you're confronted. Because just in case you don't know by now, none of us are perfect. We all have weaknesses and we all have flaws. So trying to act like you're perfect is just a lie. You know, it's not true. Another sign of pride is if you're not quick to forgive, you know, you hold grudges. I mean, who are we to not forgive, right? Especially when someone asks for forgiveness. Have we forgotten what God has forgiven us of? And so if you are someone that holds grudges, If you're someone that's holding a grudge or does not easily forgive, that comes from pride. If you're thinking to yourself right now, that's not me. I don't struggle with pride. Then you do struggle with pride because pride will tell you that you don't have pride. That's the thing, right? You know, pride can't see the pride in their heart. Somebody can come up to you and say you have pride, but because of pride, you would dismiss them and write them off. The right attitude that pleases God is someone that can humble themselves and say, you know, I don't know if I have pride, Lord God, but if I do, I repent and I release all pride to you, Lord God. You know, humble me, make my heart right. You know, that's somebody that's on the right track. But if you're someone that's quick to defend yourself, you can't admit you're wrong. You're not quick to forgive. You can't even admit you might have pride in your life. You think you're better than other people. That's another manifestation of pride. You know, somebody that has a judgmental or self-righteous way about them. I'm not talking about righteous judgment, you know, where God calls us to judge sin and to have discernment, but I'm talking about the judgment that comes from you wanting to condemn somebody or look down on somebody else. God wants us to be able to have a soft heart, a person that knows every day that they are in constant need of God. I remember the day that God shook me several years ago. 
it was during a very broken time in my life, you know, and he took me through a very humbling season, but it was very necessary because he really did a brand new thing in my heart. And I'll never forget the day that my life changed. And even though I was a good Christian girl, I did not have a humble heart. I remember one day sitting on the couch and I was, you know, questioning God. I was asking him questions like, why was I going through this? I did everything right. You know, I was just saying these things to God, right? And I remember asking him, Lord, what is it that you want to do in me? What is it that you want to do in me? And clear as day, he said, until you allow me to uproot pride, you will never be who I've called you to be. And in that moment, I could have in pride, like I said, you know, pride will tell you you don't have pride, right? So in pride, I could have been, I could have ignored God and not humbled myself and repented, right? But I just remember in that moment, I immediately dropped to my knees and I said, okay, then do it, God. Whatever you want to do in me, do it. I'm yours. And I completely surrendered and I gave him everything. You know, I want to say that I just stood back up and I was so free and I just had no pride and that was it. It was like a magic wand. (laughs) But no, God had to do a deep inner work in me. You know, I remember for several months, he isolated me. It wasn't a happy time. He was uprooting things. I mean, I carried pride my whole life. So he had to uproot a lot of things. Forgiveness toward anyone I had any grudges toward. Being fiercely independent. My lack of compassion toward people was also a form of pride. You know, any judgmental spirit or way of me, he had to uproot all of those things. You know, it's easy to break off a branch, but when God has to uproot something, you know, that doesn't happen in a moment. I mean, that takes time. And so I allowed him to do this deep, painful, but necessary work in my heart. And I'm telling you, friends, I've never been the same. Since I've allowed God to uproot pride from my life, everything about me is different all because of that. So I can speak from my own life and from experience that God, if he has to, he tries to get our attention with sweet conviction. You know, he tries to warn us. He tries to bring people into our path. He tries to, you know, get us to turn from our sin and to humble ourselves and to admit our need for God. But if we don't, then he will shake you up. And there's even people that he shakes up and they end up falling, but then they end up getting angry at God because he humbled them and they stay prideful for the rest of their life. They choose not to humble themselves and get their hearts right with God. It's important that if you do fall, not to get bitter and angry at God, but instead to admit he was right, you were wrong and to get right. Just as a good, good father, the Lord out of love disciplines his children. And now because God delivered me from that root of pride, if I'm around somebody or in an atmosphere where I sense it, not in a judgmental way, but I'm just able to discern it quickly because it's something that I dealt with for so long. It's very easy for me to recognize it. And it's such a turnoff, you know, it's just a bad taste in my mouth when I'm around it because it reminds me of who I once was. And not only that, but I know that it breaks the heart of God and he hates pride. I just want others to be set free and delivered. And to keep my heart in check so I don't go back to a prideful state, I have to be very intentional and daily approach God in order to keep my heart right. I come before him and I repent of pride, any selfish motive, 
Just any way in me, Lord, that does not please you. Purify my heart. Keep my heart right. We might be able to fool other people, but you know God knows the true condition of our hearts. And I don't know about you, friends, but I don't want to do anything that God is saying. He turns his whole body away from it. He literally turns himself away from you, right? Because God is so loving. He's so graceful. He's so forgiving. His mercies are new every morning, you know? What is it that would make God so angry that he would literally turn away and face in the other direction, right? And pride will do that. Pride will do that. God hates a haughty spirit, a prideful heart. Someone that thinks that they don't need God, that they're self-made, right? Everything they have is because of their own doing. They're not quick to forgive. They can't admit they're wrong. Being quick to anger. All of that is manifestations and evidence of pride in your heart. In Proverbs 8, God says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And then he says, I hate pride and arrogance. You know, sometimes the enemy will deceive us and disguise pride as confidence, right? It's one thing to be confident in Christ, but knowing that you're confident because of who He is in you and what He's done, you point straight to God. You don't point to yourself, right? It's because of God that I am who I am. Everything good in me is because of you, Lord, and what you've done in my heart. Thank you for what you've done in my life and how you've changed me, right? Versus someone that thinks that they're self-made, self-taught, everything's about them. They get praises from people, they take it on, you know, and their heart swells up. They don't give any credit to God, right? They think it's all them. They become very cocky and arrogant, right? So it's not confidence any longer, it's pridefulness. So don't get it confused. Confidence and pride are different. You can have confidence and still have a humble heart, but it's confidence in who you are because of who God is, not because of what you've done for yourself and your own accomplishments. Another trait that the world praises as actually a positive thing, but it's really rooted from pride. And this is a spirit that I dealt with my whole life. You know, I was raised to be a very strong, independent woman, right? We hear from the world all the time, be independent, yay, girl power, girl boss, boss babes, you know? We're being constantly fed this independent message that we got this, that you got this mentality. But when you're independent, then you're not dependent on God. You think that you got it. And even if you claim to love Jesus, he's the passenger in your car of life and you're the driver. He wants to be the driver and we are in the back seat. So having an independent spirit is not something to clap about or to cheer about. It's actually a form of pride. That is something that God had to rid me of. Because I've always been very independent. But because of that independence, I had a hard time really depending fully on God. You know, I love Jesus, and if I had a great need, then I would call out to Him for help. But on the regular, you know, I didn't act as if I was fully dependent on God. You know, it was kind of like, I got this, Lord, and if I need you, I'll give you a call. So He doesn't want us to be independent. He wants us to be codependent on Him. Also, an independent spirit can keep us from giving God the credit and the glory that He's due. 
Because when you're independent, then you think that it was all because of you, that you have this and that, or this and that happened for you. You know, you have a hard time actually pointing to the goodness of God and giving him the thanks and the credit that he deserves. The fact that we wake up every morning with breath in our lungs is only by the grace of God. And everything that we have is solely because of Him. We need to be fully aware of who He really is and who we are because of Him. I also remember when God spoke to me about how I would receive compliments from other people. You know, I have people come up to me and tell me I'm a talented photographer or that I'm very creative. And they would give me a lot of praise about my creativity. But in order to keep me humble, he wanted to remind me that you know it's because of me that you are talented. It's because of me that you're creative. You're creative because I'm creative. You're faithful because I'm faithful. You're pure because I'm pure. Everything good in you is because of me. Even though as believers we know that every good thing comes from God, but sometimes we can get wrapped up in ourselves, and he has to remind us. The way that I received compliments after that was a whole lot different. You see, God wants us to constantly point to Him. God doesn't want us to just have moments where we're aware of His goodness. He wants us to stay aware, to be consistently aware, to walk in a consistent attitude of humility. Apart from Him, we can do no good thing. And that will keep you humble with that state of mind and that heart condition of knowing that apart from God, I am nothing. We are nothing, friends, apart from God. We are not naturally good. We are not naturally talented. What we have because we think we earned it, we've only earned it because God has allowed it. It's only because of Jesus Christ, friends, that we have any way in us that deserves praise. So to Him be all the glory. And when you start to take on all the accolades and the praise and you start to allow your your chest and your heart to puff up, right? That's when you start walking in dangerous territory. But when we stay grateful and thankful and just daily thanking God for who He is, not for what He's done, but just for who He is, His character, and how He's made you new, and everything He's done in your life, when you start to just constantly have a heart of gratitude, then God actually gives you more. He blesses you with more because He knows that you are going to give Him all the glory and all the credit. And He honors those that walk in humility. Reading here in another part of Proverbs, God says, You know, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Wow. Proverbs 16 right there. So I encourage you, friends, today, if you think that you don't deal with pride and it's not an issue for you, I encourage you to ask God, you know, soften my heart, humble my heart, you know, forgive me for any pride, Lord God, and make my heart right. You know, convict me of any way in me that doesn't please you. Don't continue to walk in pride because sometimes pride is not recognizable. You might think it's just the way you've always been or it's how your family is or, you know, it's normal. And everybody around you, all the friends you have, maybe your relationship, they all act like you, you know. You think that the way that you act is normal? 
and you might not see your attitude or the way you act or react. But only God knows the deepest part of our hearts. So don't continue to allow the enemy to deceive you because nobody has come up to you and said you deal with pride. If you're feeling some kind of way right now listening to this message, God might be trying to get your attention right now by speaking to your heart. So I just encourage you to have some time with God and to just come before Him and just to be real and honest. You know, He knows us. He knows every part of us. We have no secrets. So just be honest with Him and lay bare before Him. You know, He's not here to condemn us or default us or to punish us. He is lovingly calling us to be right with Him. If you would like to repent of pride right now and to get your heart right today, please pray this prayer with me. Lord God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your mercy on my life. Thank you for speaking to me about getting my heart right, Lord God. I come before you now and I repent for any pride in my heart, any lack of humility, any boastful way, any unforgiving way, any arrogant way. Lord, I just repent, Lord God, for any pride, any pride in my heart, Lord. I pray that you would uproot pride from my heart, from my life, that you would just start to speak to me right now in this moment, Lord God, things that I can do to remove pride from my life. I surrender to you any arrogant way in me, Lord God. Just make my heart right. Lord, replace the spirit of pride with humility, a humbleness, compassion, forgiveness, a soft heart, Lord God, that pleases you. Transform my heart, Lord God, and convict me of any prideful way in me, Lord God, so I can make it right on a day-to-day basis. Lord, I pray that you would continue to daily convict me of any prideful way in me so I can make it right, Lord God. Take off any blinders, anything that would hinder me from seeing my heart's condition, Lord God, and do what you need to do in my heart to make it right. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness, for your conviction, for your grace, and for your freedom. Amen. Make sure to sign up to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. Make sure to subscribe for new episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon.